On today's podcast, we will talk about our sermon series for this year. It is titled, Year of Biblical Literacy. This series was created by Reality Church in San Francisco and Bridgetown Church in Portland in partnership with The Bible Project. Our hope and prayer as we walk through this series this year is that it will help grow in all of us a deeper hunger for the Word of God, and that we, as a body and as individuals, would be transformed by His Spirit as we read the story of Jesus. Let's get to the podcast. Okay, we're back again, guys, because we just did another one. Yeah. So we're back yep. Hey, Joel. Cool <laughs> shirt. Good to be back. Thanks, man. Do we agree that Joel has the coolest shirts and sweatshirts out of all of us? He's always rocking some sort of sweet graphic tee or sweaty sweatshirt. Yeah, if our church had a preacher's sneakers <laughs> like division, Joel yeah, yeah, would yeah. certainly be the one. That's but his are always like uh, you know Reformation wear and that kind of stuff. Yeah, solo and, Deo Gloria. But I got it for twenty bucks, so I don't think I'm over that line yet. No, <laughs> no, but you look good. Thanks, man. I, yeah. My t-shirts came in a pack of three. Don't for try to preachers and sneakers, me guy. I'm just saying, man. I don't know. Yeah. I was wearing a pair of sweatpants over to Joel's the other day, and I was like, guess how old these are? And he was like, he was off by 15 years. <laughs> Those are pretty sweet pants, man. Yeah. Hey, we're going to talk year of biblical biblical literacy. Man, that is a... Yobel. Yobel. I didn't... That's the natural thing to go to, but it just sounds so like YOLO to say yeah. to me. I don't know. So here's, let me, I'll give you the origin. So uh, Year of Biblical Literacy is like a, a year-long teaching series created by Reality San Francisco, Bridgetown in Portland. So two, Dave Lomas and John Mark Comer, like two guys who are, know each other who want to like address uh, a deep dive in the Bible and they have younger churches. And uh, so they worked with uh, Tim and John from the Bible project and created this whole series. And it initially was called year of the Bible. Okay. But then they were sort of like, well, that just communicates like maybe next year's not the year of the Bible. Right. And so it switched to year of biblical literacy, which doesn't roll off the tongue as easily, but I, I think it's a good, good switch. Yobel. Um, I can go yeah. with the Yobel. Um, did they start that? I, I hadn't heard I knew where it came from, but I didn't know those were both younger congregations. Is is that something they saw a need for, that their congregations were young and, I guess, illiterate in the Bible? Was that a need that they needed to address? Yeah, that? absolutely. And I, and that's not to say that older congregations aren't sure. equal, equally functionally illiterate in the Bible, because yeah. you know, we see that quite a bit. But um, yeah, they, they have young, growing, urban, hip churches, and so like a millennial type where uh, the authority of scripture and what does even scripture say, uh, you know, is a huge need. And so mm-hmm. like they're in those churches, there's a lot of ministry that happens. Like it's the millennial generation is very active in, you know, feeding the poor and reaching out to refugees and doing some of that stuff. But then, you know, shifting on, you know, sexual ethics or, uh, you know, other like deity of Jesus, fundamental doctrinal truths. And then in general, with the rise of the Bible Project, I think that's helped many, many Christians realize that, that the way we've handled the Bible has been maybe a little bit detrimental to like a biblical theology of understanding it as one story that points to Jesus. And so there's just all of us, you know, ha- are learning how to read the Bible, what the Bible's for, how it works. And and so, yeah, they, they jumped on it, did it, I think it's 2015 or 2016, somewhere in cool. there. And then my... Our church saw that, and uh, at the church I was at previously, we did that in 2017, and it became one of the most. Our church wasn't as young as theirs, but but still younger. P- 
became one of the best things we've done to be able to walk through the storyline of the Bible and work together, like doing a Bible read through together, which is always helpful. Uh, so yeah, it, it brings unity and it it helps us in in preaching and teaching to say, no, this is what scripture is about. It points to Jesus and here's how you can navigate like the minor prophets with and make sense of it. You know, here's how you can understand what's happening, you know, in, in Torah. Like when you get to Leviticus and you're like, why am I reading this? Mm-hmm. Why is this even in my Bible? Um, so that's what we get to do. Work through some of that stuff, even to the, to the depth of, um, like this, the third or fourth series in the year is called the God I don't understand. And we're going to walk through like, uh, Joshua and conquest of the promised land and, wow. and a lot of stuff that people who aren't Christians or people who are atheists or even people who are Christians, when you read what sounds like ethnic cleansing or genocide or wiping out of peoples, you know, like how do you reconcile that with, with what we also believe about God's character, about being slow to anger and steadfast, loving kindness, gracious, a God of love. And so uh, by diving deep into the, the story, actually reading it and then speaking to it, like we come out on the end with a much better understanding of how the Bible works together. Mm. Yeah, we touched on this a little bit last year when we were talking, we went through that uh, state of theology from Ligonier Ministries mm-hmm. that that there's a, 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 there's a lack of good theology in the church in America and it, it, across all ages and, and, and generations, but that was seems to be just more symptomatic of the fact that we are illiterate in the Bible at times. Yeah, and a quote, a quote I uh, used last week was from a Dallas Theological Seminary professor, which is basically saying like one of the biggest sins or weaknesses of the Christian church, we don't read the Bible, and, he's, and he starts talking about, we listen to sermons, you know, we listen to podcasts, we'll read books, but we're actually losing uh, the will and the skill of deep individual Bible reading, which is necessary for Christian growth in my mind. Like we, we have to know the Bible. We have to read the Bible and podcasts are great. I listen to them all the time. I love listening to good sermons, you know, when I'm driving. Uh, but the, there's a Willow Creek study years back where they're going, how do people grow? Like how, like, you know, they're trying to figure out how do we make disciples? What's the most effective thing? And over and over it kept coming up that people grow the deepest and uh, the quickest and the, the, like the most return was when they learned to read the Bible for themselves. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with podcasts and Christian books or, but they, they are meant to be supplemental to the individual's uh, connection to Jesus through the word. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but as I, as I think about getting into this this year and going through the, the Bible read through as a church, I like, I'm, I'm confronted personally by my, lack of knowledge of the Bible and my lack of, of having read it consistently and, and read it as that narrative. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for it, but I'm, I'm kind of hit in the face by my, my lack of knowledge of the Bible. You guys find that as well? Completely in that exact same place. And I just did this last year. Yeah. (laughs) I just did the read through (laughs) last year. So even in, in the book of Genesis, just starting out this year, I'm like, whoa, I did not see that in there last year. And part of that is just the true, like, breadth and intricacy of the Bible itself. And then the fact that the Bible is living and active, like it doesn't ever change the words, but there's things in there that God stirs our hearts to one day to the next, and it could be the exact same words. And so, um, that, that's the encouraging thing as we, as we do continue to read and continue to learn. It's not just a book that you got the story from, and now you get it and you don't ever have to pick it up again. Like it is God's living encouragement and call to us to deep repentance and love for him. And so Mm. it's, it can't ever stop. Once it, once we stop, then then the relationship stops. Basically, right, 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 right. right. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I've heard so many like like the, so the guys who whose books we buy and read, 
you can listen to like a Scott McKnight or an N.T. Wright or Tim Mackey or, you know, all these PhDs who are like constantly saying, I'm overwhelmed by the depth of scripture. Like every time I come to it, I see something new, you know? And so, so yeah, that's, uh, we're talking about the unsearchable, unknowable God who is revealing himself through his word. And so we should expect, like, I think every time we read it over and over, we'd be like, man, I never saw that before. I never noticed that before, or I forgot that, you know? And, and I think uh, as modern people, you know, internet people, cell phone people, that we, we're also just getting lazy in our retention. Mm-hmm. So like, I find myself having to look, Google things that I knew by memory, like when I was in high school, and now I'm like, I don't, what, what is that? And so, like, there's, there's just like a, I think our muscles are getting soft and flabby. I know mine are, and also my brain. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I can still remember almost all of my friends' phone numbers from when I was a kid, because I had to remember them wow. in order to call them. But I couldn't. I the only per, literally the only person I can tell you their phone number now is, is Your my wife. wife. Same because it's my Fred Meyer number. <laughs> I have to punch it in to get my free, you know, my money back, my gas points, and and uh, it, it's just it's a constant reminder for me that Herbie Noble, my best buddy growing up, three six zero six eight six three one six zero. They still Dude, live in the same awesome. house. Herbie, if you want to call him, you can call. I'm calling Herb. him right now. Herb, Herb <laughs> was his dad, and Linda was his mom. And, Big and Herb. I've called that number a bunch of times in my life, and and but we don't put the same yeah. sort of emphasis on. I need to remember this because it's important. Yep. Because we can find it anywhere at any time. Yep. And that's, I mean, that that's kind of how our minds work. Like, I don't have to think about how to drive home anymore. But when I first moved here, I was like, okay, shoot, what road, what turn? And so our brains are constantly, you know, shifting knowledge to the background. And so, like, if remember that Foxworthy show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? You know, so it's not just the Bible. It's like, you're like, oh, yeah, dude, in fifth grade, I could put every state on the map. Now I'm like, I, I know where Oregon and Idaho are. Because like, <laughs> uh, your brain just says, well, I don't need this information anymore. Somehow it just buries it. And so we have to fight against that because we need, you know, like the word is supposed to be rooted, like hidden in my heart the psalmist says i was thinking of psalm one uh this morning and karen and i were talking about it last night like all of us want to be the psalm one man who's like a tree firmly planted by the stream who bears fruit and season its leaf doesn't wither right i wrote it down here uh but but you don't get that unless your verse two delight in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night so you're not going to be firmly planted. You know, you're not going to have deep roots. You're not going to be, uh, th- think of that windstorm that came through last night and all of us are like, I'm going to lose a tree. And so you're thinking of the health of the tree and the root system to be able to withstand the storms. You get that by delighting in the Lord and meditating on him day and night. Like it, it just takes the work of an individual and a sermon here and there, a podcast here and there just will not do it. Hmm. Yeah. Brandon, how... Um how do you see this translating for like what you want to do with the youth this year? Are you going to be able to kind of drive this down to that level? Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. So one of the first things that we're going to come back to, and it's just the way that it um, fell in place in the, in the live series that we're doing the curriculum. But the very first thing that kids are coming back to is Bible one Oh one. It's understanding. If you understand your Bible, if you, you know, can establish some, some just basic disciplines of, of getting in the habit of reading it, and and praying through it and looking at it like that's going to start to define your reality right now like a lot of our students their reality is based on everything that's going on around them Mm -hmm. and then they bring that reality to the scriptures and they evaluate reality through that lens Mm -hmm. and we have to shift that like i have to shift that in my own life right we have to allow 
the God of the Bible to define our reality as it is. And this is a, a quote from David's message on, um, on Sunday, and I loved it. It was the Ed Goodrick mm-hmm. quote. You know, he says, your hierarchy of values require that you be comfortable with your Bible and uncomfortable with your theology rather than comfortable with your theology and uncomfortable with your Bible. The more that we can become comfortable, especially for our students, right? The more that we can become comfortable with our Bible and and being willing to look at the hard things in Scripture and know that, okay, that also translates to the hard things in our life the better we're going to we're going to we're going to be prepared to walk and live the way that Jesus called us to live. Mm. So it's a, it's a it's a very much so a holistic approach in that sense. Nice man. Yeah, that worldview, it's true not only of theology but just all all of your values. And so for a young generation that's growing up, you know, especially here in the Northwest, you know, sexual ethics, mm-hmm. same-sex attraction, gender fluidity, all those things are just becoming normal yeah. like and they're told this is normal and this is true. And so then when they come to the text and they, you know, they see Jesus in Matthew 19 saying that marriage is between a man and a woman, it's like very gendered, very specific. And this is where sexuality roots and lives. And you get the sexual ethic that like is completely opposite of, of what the world says is normal. Uh, you know, I, I have those conversations with people and they go, oh, that was just, you know, ancient people who didn't understand. They don't, didn't know what we know. know. And it's like, okay. Well, this is a divine and human word, and if you're a Christian, you're coming to Scripture. Then, like, you're going to have to be allow that to to make you uncomfortable. Like, okay, I've brought a value to the Bible that then needs to like be addressed and brought into the light, and let the Bible actually shape my values instead of the other way around. Hmm. Amen. Yep. Yeah. Also, you know, historically speaking, to cultures that dealt like heavily with homosexuality, the Greek culture, and and others even at the time that were very versed in those things it wasn't like it was a brand new concept because it's just being accepted in our culture now today Mm -hmm. and so the fact that it's he said it a long time ago doesn't mean it wasn't true back then as well as it is true now and and that it probably wasn't highly offensive to some of those folks back then yeah david um you've been here almost a year that's crazy calvary that is crazy doesn't feel that way and it was a hard year so maybe this is kind of as a dog year it's a dog year? Yeah, so like seven. I counted as seven. <laughs> so I'm ready for my sabbatical. <laughs> Every seven years we get a sabbatical. Uh, uh, wow. I'll, I'll be taking mine this summer. And it was a difficult year in a lot of different ways, so maybe this is kind of a hard question to quantify, but as you understand the culture at Calvary and as you've been thinking and praying through what this looks like for Calvary this next year, uh, are there things about this series that you are – anticipating struggles or, or hard things or areas for, I guess, for us to grow as a, as a body. And are yeah. they going to, are we going to be hit in the face with some things that we need to wrestle with? I think so. I, at this Sunday, actually, I'm, I'm praying. And I, I want to say I'm a little bit worried while you're hearing this, it's already been preached. But uh, <laughs> when we talk about inspiration, what does that mean? You know? And so people get really uncomfortable with the humanity of scripture, that it's a divine and a human word. And uh, what I, I hope to press into that, because it really matters, it doesn't lower the authority of the Bible, but it, it does help us read it in the way I think it's intended to read. And, and so some of that, some of those sorts of things where like people are like, well, you know, when, it, when the Bible says it's God breathed, like they imagine, you know, like the Apostle Paul goes into a trance and like God is like guiding the words. And it, I just, that's just not how the Bible describes itself. Mm. And so there's a tension there. And, and when anyone 
talks about those things that maybe uh, press up against some of your theology or some of the ways you've always thought about it. It makes people uncomfortable and it's easy to go like, well, this new guy is a liberal, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, like that tension already exists in Jesus himself. He's sort of the model for that. So he's divine and human. That's a real mind bender, <laughs> you know, but we've learned to lean into that and rest in that. And, and he, in my mind, that is sort of the template for scripture as well, divine and human. And when we can approach it that way without minimizing its authority over our lives, it it will help some of those passages that are difficult, like become more clear. Hmm. And I'll give some more specific examples probably in my sermon on Sunday. That's one of them, but yeah. Do you think the book of Jonah helps us like with any insights into that, how that can, how it can still be human, but still be divine? Like Jonah as a character for me, like we were talking about this a little bit before this, like God clearly speaks through Jonah and speaks exactly what he wants to have spoken while Jonah at the end of the book still clearly shows us his humanity and it doesn't in all at all diminish yeah. God's perspective and God's place in that story or in scripture altogether. But Jonah also like he gets the, the God's message across while still being very human. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like for me, it's really helpful. In well, way. sure. And that's a great example. I mean, like when Jonah finally shows up in, in Nineveh, you know, he, he says like, here's the deadline until Nineveh is overturned. He basically communicates the bare minimum of what God asked him to do. And then like, well, what does it mean overturned? Does that mean judged or does that mean the revival that we then see happen? And so you have to wrestle through like, okay, this is a prophet speaking the word of the Lord, but the result looks a lot different than what we thought was happening. And so yeah, that's a perfect example. And then you get to the gospels and Jesus is talking about the sign of Jonah as like pointing towards him. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, oh, there's so much more going on in here, you know, than I had ever imagined. And, and that is how the, how the scriptures are meant to work, you know, that they point toward Jesus. And so, yeah, there's a lot going on. We'll, we'll get into some difficult passages. So, so I don't know. Sometimes that I think it's fun, but sometimes people get uncomfortable with, with, with having their uh, understanding maybe expanded or stretched. I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't want to talk, talk as if we have a, a church full of people who don't know their Bibles. I think there's a lot of like really sharp Bible scholars and readers here in our church, but we're vastly diverse. And, and so sometimes that can, can be complicated. I, the thing, uh, to answer your question further, Joel, the thing I hope most is just that it continues to ignite in all of us a hunger for the word, that we become a people of the book. Like, that. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, those Calvary people, they know their Bibles. They love scripture. And not in a, like an academic, you know, knowledge puffs up way, but in a we want to be transformed by the story of Jesus way. And so, right, right, right. you know, in the discipleship meetings, we've talked about it. I always give the example of don't feed the bears from Yellowstone or from other national parks, that there's there's something that happens when when you feed a wild animal a peanut butter jelly sandwich or like allow them to get access to human food, they lose their wildness and they become a significant source of trouble and danger, right? Cause they no longer know how to self feed. Uh, and so they're always, you know, bears are wandering into camps and digging through coolers and that's how people get mauled. And I think the same thing happens with the church when we forget how to feed, we forget how to go to the source. And so, uh, there's a lot there. I prepared some stuff to talk about, but you know, like there's a lot in the Bible. Like, so clearly Jesus says, feed my sheep and people want to be fed. Right. But our job isn't to, to chew the food for them or to like, you know, give them a milkshake. They need to learn how to eat solid food. They need to, to learn how to have meat. We need to grow in maturity. And, and that's always going to be about going to the source. So like in first Peter two, Peter talks about, Hey, you're like newborn infants. You should long for pure spiritual milk that you might grow up. And then he gives us this long passage about it. And at the end, he says, uh, of First Peter 2, he says, you guys were straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. 
Because that's Jesus. He's the shepherd. We're like minor under shepherds, and we're trying to lead people to Jesus that they can feed from the source mm. uh, themselves. And then, you know, we're not like bears mauling one another that we grow, we grow up. You know, think of Psalm 23. Jesus, Jesus says, feed my sheep. He becomes the model for the shepherds. And I get this a lot. Like, I'm not being fed. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm going in, into a conversation later this week with some people who, who feel that way. And I'm, my hope is to hear them and understand them, but also to say, like, listen, like, if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, like, y- you should be feeding from the word yourself. Mm-hmm. You should be feeding from Jesus, like hearing from Jesus. So even in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So right there, it's like, okay, if, if I've got Jesus, then I've got everything. And so I don't you know, that changes how I approach a weekly, the content of a sermon. How good was a sermon? Well, a sermon's not Jesus. So like, I'm already satisfied in Jesus. Sermons then become helpful towards pointing me back to Jesus Mm or podcasts or books or Bible studies or life groups. I mean, think of how many life groups we've all led and been part of where we're like, this is falling far short of what we want it to be. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's hard work. We wish the community was deeper and richer and we get frustrated with that. And then sometimes we project that to, to something great, like there's a problem with the church and Christianity, and you know, it's like, well, okay, but don't forget about Jesus. Hmm. So if you have Jesus, you shall not want, and then he leads me out. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, but he's, he's leading you out to feed. He's not hand feeding you. And Jesus over and over and over in the way he teaches people, he's not giving them milkshakes. He's giving them like complicated meals that they don't understand. They're like, what are you talking about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I just, I hope that's, um, I hope that we learn to be able to sit with Jesus, hear from Jesus through the word uh, as individuals and as a people together, mm-hmm. that that'll, that's what will come out of this. Just a love for his scripture, a hunger to be in it, that we might be transformed by it. Yeah. Awesome. I, think, I mean, mm-hmm. I think he covered that. That's pretty awesome. I, I'm, I'm on board for that. It's a challenge, man. Like, uh, it's a challenge for all of us in our in our following of Jesus. There's many difficult things, and the Bible is one of them. I, mean, I don't care what anybody says; it's not an easy book, you know. Yeah. Like, um, and and it's intimidating too. And then you'll like encounter someone who knows it really well, and then you'll feel shame or less than, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm just hoping we can just strip all of that away and be real open and honest and go like, hey, let's learn from one another. Let's learn uh, about the Bible and commit to the to the Bible together. But ultimately, that people, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you got to be able to hear from Jesus. And, and primarily that, I believe, is through the Word and through His Spirit. Absolutely. So. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.